Maybe I should ask you that. Let me just ask you, what is your favorite movie of all time? Oh, boy. I was not prepared of all time. for this. Yeah. Favorite movie of all time. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, Dom. Oh, I didn't stay. <laughs> stay ready. Um. Wow, Noah. I don't know if I can. No, take your time. Six and a half hours later. It's literally just a favorite movie. Like, my God, man. Yeah, but I don't watch a lot. Because I could give you a cheesy-ass answer. <laughs> What's that? Well, like, you know, uh, Force Gump is obviously great. Why would that be a cheesy answer? Because I feel like that's just a world-renowned movie, and that was my easy way out if I said that. You know there's a lot of people who hate that movie? Really? Yeah, there's like a growing like amount of people who hate that movie. I had never even seen Actually, it you know what? Let's let's stop there. Let this this is good. Let's let's keep it on that because I love Forrest Gump, but I the last time I watched it, there was something that has always bothered me about that movie and I can't get past it. And that is the running scene. <laughs> that scene Makes absolutely zero sense. Let's and just that's like think, DC. just yeah. Well, no, just think about it. Just think about everything that happens in that scene. Mm. So this man ran across the goddamn world. Yeah, he talks about how when I was hungry, I ate. Mm -hmm. When I was thirsty, I drank, or whatever the fuck he says. And he's like, when I went, I went, or when I needed to go, I went. When I slept, I slept, or what? I'm fucking it up. But you get my point. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's like saying how he did all that. He ate, drank, sleep. Like he paid, you know, paid for all this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. How was he paying for it, Dom? I understand oh. he was apparently one of the first investors in Apple, a in his opinion, fruit company. Yeah. Um, however, those checks were being mailed to his house, and he was not at his house. So what? You telling me that he just had a ton of money on him to be? buying this shit every day and paying to basically run across the globe? Or was it the fact that he came up with every great trend and idea of that time period? When this man steps in a pile of dog shit and one of the people running next to him is like, he goes, oh man, you just stepped in a pile of shit. And he goes, it happens. And he goes, what happens? Shit? And he goes, yeah, and keeps running. <laughs> Shit happens. Yeah. Then he gets a bunch of mud on his face, and someone hands him a yellow T-shirt, wipes it off, and somehow it makes a perfect smiley face on the... So then that guy's like, holy shit, and just recreates the, the smiley face name. Hmm. You that really scene just has up always a can bothered of worms. me. That scene has always bothered me. And rightfully a fruit so. fruit company. He said a fruit company. <laughs> Talking about Apple. And the checks are being mailed to his house. And he's just running. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA Show Preview Edition. Once again, Dominic. We're here to give everybody that good good to send them mm -hmm. into the weekend. Did I say it's Friday? It's actually Thursday. Yes. And there's a reason for that. 
Mm-hmm. PFL's tonight. PFL's back. It has been a tumultuous last <laughs> few weeks. Oh, yeah. Where we left the PFL just a few weeks ago and where we picked them back up, we feel like we're dealing with a completely different company. They've made <laughs> huge moves with Francis Ngannou and 10 of their fighters tested positive for PEDs. So interesting times. But also, Dominic, we are going back to Canada for UFC 289. Mm-hmm. Probably it's it's not a strong pay per view from like like a star power right. perspective, and even from like a top to bottom like deepness, it's not exactly a strong pay per view. But I can't help it, Dominic. I'm so excited for it. Even sitting here today, I'm like I'm just counting down the days. I'm like I can't wait for all of it, mm-hmm. especially Oliveira Darius, the fight everybody is excited about. The fight that you're probably buying the pay-per-view for, let's be honest. (laughs) However, Irene Aldana in the main event, a chance to make it four. Make it four Mexican MMA champions or UFC champions, excuse me. That would be just, I mean, that would literally be the thing that we set up at the beginning of the year, Dom. Little did we know that we actually have a chance to make all four of them happen. Like, Imagine we parlayed that, Noah. Yeah, Seriously. So a lot of good stuff to go over today. But as always, Dominic, I have to ask you before we begin, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. And it's funny, we talked about Forrest Gump a little bit ago because remember that time in the movie where it just nonstop rained and rained and rained and that's what he talked Mm. about? Well, it's the complete opposite here because I ain't seen rain and I couldn't tell you how long. It is drier than the Sahara Desert out here. Hopefully we get some more rain coming through. But the weather this week, is very beautiful. Low 80s, high 70s. The BFB mm. boys out and about getting the content done. I've heard from a little bird that even Big Dave is going to venture out onto the golf course with me this week. Now, will he be on film? That's a different question. But at least <laughs> we're getting him to the golf course. So uh, it's been a good week. I'm feeling good. I'm excited for this weekend. And I know that you are preparing uh, for vacation. This is Noah vacay mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and in full effect here, I'm excited for you. Are you? excited to get going on your vacation oh oh dom i mean please don't make me say it a second time how excited i am for vacation i mean what a question are you excited to go on vacation and not work for almost two weeks let me think about that one dominic no but um yeah as you guys are watching this i will be finishing up my last day of work before i make that drive home and then Saturday, we make that drive to Florida, baby. I will become a Florida man. I will walk barefoot through the Everglades and <laughs> and tease the Crocs, you know, all that. Shout out Fishing Garrett on TikTok. That dude cracks me up. But, yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, Big Dave's got to get in the video, Dom. I mean, you got to yeah. make that happen. Now that you've teased it, like, sure. I, what, what is he acting like he won't do it? Uh, you know? It's a good point. I might just have to ask him point blank, period. So wait a Put minute. The pressure on so wait a minute. You're saying, you know, who knows if he'll be on camera. It sounds almost like right now it's not because Big Dave doesn't want to be on camera. It sounds like it's because you're worried of what Big Dave being on camera could do to you. Yeah, maybe I'm too afraid to ask Big Dave <laughs> to be on camera. That could be the root of the problem here. Uh, 
I will keep you in the community posted if he uh, ventures onto the scene. I also found it interesting you're talking about good weather. I, I, I just found out this morning because it had been like no sun the last like three days. Oh, really? Yeah, and I figured you had the same weather because we've had a little well, overcast with some sun so i found out today that apparently the overcast is not just due to your normal i don't know clouds blocking the sun i don't know that shit apparently dominic there are wildfires or mm -hmm. forest fires out in canada and that smoke is what's causing the overcast yeah new york's really bad i saw pictures yeah of apparently today. people are wearing masks and stuff over there because they have to so scary stuff yeah, everybody stays safe, but I was like blown away by that. I, you know, maybe I'm just an idiot, Dom, but I kind of just thought that, like, you know, the states on a map, I thought that was basically like a big old wall. Like, you know, <laughs> just, you can't, it can't, like, yeah, nothing yeah. can get it, nothing can right. get out. So, and, uh, anyways, I'm going to go ahead and let you guys know where to follow us on social media. You can follow our podcast on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at the Bajma, the B-A-J, MMA. You can follow Dominic on Twitter, Instagram, at Deasley14. You can follow myself on Twitter, on Instagram, at Noah Baker MMA. Also, if you want to listen to audio versions of the podcast, you can do so by following us on Spotify, on Apple. Uh, there, it's at the Below Average Joe's MMA Show. And you can also subscribe, click the bell, all that shit on YouTube, at the Below Average Joe's, no MMA show after that. That's the channel name. But if you see some of our MMA show videos, you'll know you're in the right place. Also, release schedule upcoming. So Monday, of course, we will be uh, recapping all this weekend's action. I should have mentioned Friday. So tomorrow, we actually do have something coming to you. It's our latest Cage Side Rewind, Dominic. Pride 13. Collision course, a big one. We are branching out. First non-UFC event for this segment. So very excited for you guys to check that out. And then a week <clears throat> from that, so a week from Friday, uh, will be another preview uh, for that one. We'll be talking about PFL 5, Bellator 297 in Chicago, and then the Marvin Vittori, Jared Cannonier fight Triple night header. at the event. So a lot going on. But, Dominic, we got a lot to get to, so are you ready? It all starts in Canada, my friend. In your main event, the women's bantamweight title is on the line, as is history, Dominic. Amanda Nunes comes in to minus 320 favorite. She is undoubtedly the best women's fighter of all time. She got her title back in dominant fashion against the woman who took it from her, Juliana Pena, the last time we saw her. Now here she comes back in. She's 35 years old, going up against Irene Aldana, who has a chance to make it four Mexican-born MMA champions in a single calendar year. Uh, that would be unprecedented for Mexico, a country that has a, a huge fighting spirit but mostly on the boxing side. MMA has been a bit of a slower growth and uh, kind of bringing over some of that talent. Now it seems to be paying off, but Irene Aldana's got to get it done. She's a plus 265. Uh, she will not be the biggest underdog of the four. Obviously, uh, Alexa Grasso was able to get it done. So um, with that being said, though, Dominic, Irene Aldana 
actually older than Amanda Nunes. What do you think about that? <laughs> two months older. So that whole, I don't know what that stat is, you know, that two and 29 thing I always mm. talk about in title fights. That doesn't apply to the women. So I don't know what their record is. I actually think it probably, I don't know if any woman has won past the age of 35. Because if you look at all the champions we've had, like who's been like an elder? I mean, Carlos Sparza might have been getting getting there. Yeah. Joanna, maybe. I mean, that's I don't know if anybody's really gotten close to that. So yeah. I was hoping it, when I first saw Amanda Nunes was 35, I was like, oh shit. I said, I'm gonna jump on Aldana on this money mm-hmm. line. And then she's older. So yeah. Dominic, you have a battle here, 35 years old apiece. What's kind of the X factor here for you? I know, spoiler alert, you do have a bet on Irene Aldana. So I'm curious what is kind of pulling you in that direction? Well, I do believe that the Mexican MMA champion, UFC champion prophecy must be fulfilled. And that Mm -hmm. means Irene Aldana has to dethrone the greatest female fighter of all time. You know, outside of that, though, I really do think, at least on like in my head, I see this being relatively competitive despite that minus 320 line and believe me Amanda Nunes could very much so prove that statement that I just said very very wrong but I like Aldana here she just she's won four out of five she has momentum especially now when you look at her fellow countrymen and women that are women these winning these titles that's got to be some added motivation some added fuel to that fire And she's looking better now than she really ever has. I mean, she's finished three of those four wins. She's finished two in a row. The only loss in this these past couple years is to Holly Holm. And that was the best version of Holly Holm that I think we've ever seen outside of maybe when she beat Ronda for the title many moons ago. So I I don't foresee her just getting absolutely smashed here. And I think with Amanda talking about retirement again, and not necessarily that she's like going to do it after this fight, but she kind of discussed when she was close to doing it, decided not to. She bounced back and fought Juliana Pena uh, in their rematch. I think Aldana just is a much more difficult uh, fight. I think she's a higher level fighter at this point. She's bigger. She's stronger physically. I just think there's more advantages that Aldana can have here to beat Amanda. And if Juliana did, whether you think it's a fluke or not, anybody listening, she did beat her. And I think the same can happen for Irene Aldana here. I'm I'm relatively excited for this matchup and to see if after all these years Aldana has put all of the tools together to dethrone such a dominant long-reigning champion, Noah. So I'm going to preface what I'm about to say by saying I am excited for this fight. I take back, you know, when this when we were first discussing who she would be fighting next, we thought it would be Aldana, then it was announced as Peña. Then it became Aldana again. I remember saying, like, well, what's the bigger fight? You know, Pena seems like the bigger fight. You finish that trilogy, Pena's beater, yada, yada, yada. However, now that it's getting closer, I don't feel like I would have been this excited for that trilogy bout. I just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I felt like I, I prefer seeing a fresh matchup. And Irene Aldana yeah. is an exciting fighter. She's got an interesting style, good stand-up game, which you know, could give Amanda Nunes some fits here. Mm-hmm. Um, with all that being said, I'm not buying it, Dominic. I'm not buying this uh, this wave of um, of confidence from the community and Aldana's chances here. I think she's a good fighter, but I've yet to really see 
where she can challenge Amanda Nunes. Mm-hmm. If she's going to challenge her on the feet, Amanda has shown that she will wrestle. She will take her down. If Irene wants to play that game, then Amanda will start her on the feet. I think I just still believe in the talent of Amanda Nunes. Even at 35 years old, there was that hiccup. You're right. The Juliana Pena fight is always going to be something that sticks out in the back of anybody's mind because she looked so much worse of a version of herself than we had ever seen. But I feel like everybody remembers that and forgets the fact of what she did in the next fight. She came mm-hmm. out there 50-44'd her, like, or shoot, I might even been worse than that. Um, destroyed her for five rounds. Yeah. Showed, like, that she hadn't slowed down at all. So, Dominic, if I'm being honest with you, I've heard a few people mention that kind of theory that you're throwing out where it's like, you know, almost feeling like there could be some form of replication to that Pena moment where it's like she's still got a lot of money, you know, as we're always saying. She's talking about retirement. Maybe she's got one foot out the door and she's going to, you know, find herself unmotivated and it's going to show in her performance. Like I've, I've heard this being thrown around a little bit. And I understand why you guys might think that. But truthfully, Dom, I just look at it like she just had that and still came back Mm -hmm. and looked like she wanted to tear her limb from limb, Juliana Pena, that is. Mm -hmm. I don't think she's going to find herself, if she can help it, facing that kind of situation ever again. I think that was the moment. That was that 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 moment that you see in all these dominant champions' careers. Luckily for her, she was able to get it right back. And there is a question of how many more she has. Mm-hmm. You know, even with the win, though, Dominic, like I think this could be it. Like I really do, because you have to look at like what is there left, what is there ahead. Yeah. And you know, for her, we've been wondering that for a while. I mean, really, but. As I sit here today, my confidence level that if she in a win or win or lose, that this would be it for her, maybe like 30%. I'll give it like a 30% chance. You Mm -hmm. know, I feel like it goes up more if she loses. What do you think about that? You think her chances also, and also give you a chance to respond because I know I kind of disagreed with you there. So anything you want to retort back to me as far as like, Aldana's chances here. Sure, sure. And you 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 said um a loss here chances go up to retire is what you were yeah. saying, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I feel like if she were to lose here it I would feel really confident it's probably her last fight. I know her and uh, Nina are having a second child as well. I saw that a couple weeks ago, so that's another thing going on outside of the cage, outside of the octagon there. Uh, if she wins, you make a great point like what, what who else is there like do you do the trilogy then with juliana i mean if we already had low interest in it now it'd probably be even lower interest then even if she were to beat aldana here she would literally have just cleared out every possible bit of competition because we talk time and time again if you look at the 135 pound division there's just nothing really going on right now and she's beaten everybody that even is within a sniffing distance of a title shot um and you know in terms of like her winning this fight, it's hard to even rebuttal back when we're talking about the greatest female fighter of all time. You make super valid points. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's like the motivation factor for me where I'm hesitant on Amanda. I don't know if there's something I specifically see in Aldana 
that is better because there isn't. I can't say that there's something in Aldana's game right now that is better than Amanda. I mean, maybe if I really want to stretch it in terms of like being an actual more technical striker, maybe Aldana, but who's going to have more power in these exchanges? It's Amanda yeah. through and through. No one carries power like Amanda Nunes in these female weight classes, man. It's an uphill battle. I realize that. My bank account realizes that on the bet uh, for this weekend, man. But there's just I, I, there's something about this kind of just storyline going on right now. I had to just grab onto it while I could. Yeah, you got to have more confidence in your pick, Dom, because I would argue that Aldana is a overall better striker. Like Amanda Nunes carries big power, and I think that kind of makes up for um, ultimately. Like I don't think she's the most technical striker in right. the world. The technical discrepancies. Yeah. yeah. That was a nice voice to crack there, by the way. But I was uh, hoping we'd go by it, but that's fine. <laughs> Aldana, I think Aldana. That's that's where that's her bread and butter. Now, mm-hmm. you do see weird fights like that main event she had with Holly Holm. I know now that's been nearly three years ago, but for the credit I'm giving her in striking, Dom, you remember that fight? That fight was on the feet for its entirety, mm-hmm. and Aldana showed no ability to cut off the cage. Yep. And because of that, she just got peppered for five rounds. Yes, yes. Now, that's a different style with for Holly sure. Holm. Amanda Nunes is not going to be playing that game. She's going to walk you down, not give you an inch, not be backing up. And if she does back up, that likely means you've done something right. That's when you saw against Juliana Pena the first time. So you're right. There is still those questions because, I mean, Dominic, that first Pena fight, I mean, that was such a different version of Nunez. It to really the point, was. To the point where you wonder, like, even though she looked so good the second time out, you're like, okay, was it like she was hurt? Or was she mm-hmm. literally that unmotivated or that um, cocky thinking yeah. that she was going to win overlooking her opponent? I don't know. But it definitely still, even despite how dominant that second win was or the second fight was over uh, Pena, it's it's still going to be there a little bit. Like, yeah. am I necessarily going to hop on this line and put it on a parlay? I don't know yet. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I don't it's, – despite everything I'm saying, if I'm not doing that, then evidently a minus 320 all of a sudden ain't, like, that crazy to me. Yeah, that's good points, man. I, I, I really actually think, too, that it could be, a like, a decent little scrap here, potentially. If it if it stays on the feet, if Amanda takes Aldana down and gets her down, I think she could be in for a world of trouble. And well, probably that's a, a that's finish, an interesting you know? battle itself. Is like yeah. what what Aldana's takedown defense would even look like against. Nunes We've never really seen it, you know. I don't know where that's even been really tested for her. Yeah, if you yeah. look at her history, so. For all we know, she might be an absolute like she might be like Chris Curtis trying to take her down. Yeah, yeah. yeah happen. <laughs> and if that happens, Dom, if a Nunez tries hard enough, that's gonna gas her out. And we saw what happened when she gasses out. So you know, I I it would be it would would it shock me as much as the first Pena fight did? No. No, but yeah. would I still have similar feelings of just like, oh my god, like I can't believe she did it. Yes, and it would be an all-time moment for Mexico, for Mexican MMA. And, you know, let me ask you this before we move on. Because sure. I heard this being talked about on the Ringer MMA show. Okay. I say undoubtedly Amanda Nunes, best women's fighter of all time. 
Yeah, I know. And and I said that, and I and I say that with so much confidence. I mean, Dominic, you've seen my pound for pound or my yeah. all time list. Like I put her up very, very high. And then I I was listening to the guys on that show talk about it, and they did. Ariel brought up some interesting points, kind of talking about some of the losses she had early on, because you know I dock points from like Anderson Silva for sure. the streak of losses he went on at the very end of his MMA career. Right. So, do you think with a loss to Aldana, is her throne? of a uh, goat ship in any sort of danger here in your opinion, or like, is, is it just, you know, maybe stay to fight too long in her career? Yeah, it'd be the latter. She's very much. So the goat for quite some time. I mean, who's the only person that can rival her right now? Valentina Shevchenko. Oh, wait, she's not a champion right now. Really? So there's no one, there's no one close. I mean, um, is, is it might crazy to say like Rhonda could still have like an argument just because. Wow. Like, is that crazy? Was, is that crazy? I think I'm actually shocked. You said that. I mean, I think that would be like, I thought you would I have mean, said like a cyborg not, over a Rhonda. Wait, you said Valentina. Well, cyborg probably would. Yeah. I mean, Rhonda would be like, it, That'd be like calling Wilt Chamberlain your the best NBA player of all time. Yeah, maybe. you know what I'm saying. Like Wilt, when he played, was so right. dominant, scored 100 yeah. points, you know, in a basketball right. game. But then, if he were playing in a more modern league, like would he be able to necessarily do that? Probably not. So we found that we don't know that for sure with Wilt. We know that with Ronda because once the game evolved, we just found out how limited she was. But during the time she fought, during the time she was at the top, you know, I'm just saying. Look, I'm the, do. Am I saying that she is my number? No, I'm. I'm. Amanda Nunes is like in my top five of all time. Yeah, and I would, I would definitely put Valentina above her in terms of like UFC career, just from the pure uh, resume. Right. Yeah. But I was just throwing it out there. I mean, it's kind of like maybe it's a bit like. <laughs> Like in, in MMA terms, it would almost be it's like a legacy pick. It's like calling Conor McGregor like one of the best fighters of all time. Like, no, I get I where know. you're at. I th I think um, Ronda was great and her run was incredible. But if I if I and this is other promotions aside, so if we're just talking UFC, Amanda, Valentina, Joanna, then Ronda at four is mine. Wow, you yeah. put Joanna above Ronda. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, you just I, all around you hate, fighters, just say man. You hate Ronda, dude. No, this no, it's not that at all. It's just, I feel like you, you look I feel at the like all around game. Ronda's, you're forgetting Ronda's reign of dominance, my brother. Like I feel like takes judo throws and arm bars. I mean, I don't know if that gets it done against Valentina and Joanna's, and it didn't get it done against Amanda. Yeah, all around fighters. That's the list for me. I mean, you could say the same thing about Joanna's game against who? Whaley against. Whaley the second time against like Joanna's skill time. set's not as good as uh no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. But I mean, if you're talking about if you're if you're making a list, right? I mean, it depends on what you're I guess evaluating. So I guess in a way, yeah, you could put her above her. It depends on what you uh how you evaluate your top 30. Like, is it mm -hmm. do you emphasize legacy and like or resume, or you're talking literal skill. I mean, yeah, I guess in a way, 
you probably could make that argument. You know, I just mm-hmm. I feel like there's a multitude of factors, and I I'm just for what Ronda was able to do for women's MMA, I feel like that puts her pretty high. Uh, yeah, that's where it's the legacy thing. But again, that's that's a legacy thing, right? Like yeah. I'm not saying everybody has to evaluate it that way. Because what she me, did, none of those women have done. But if even talking, with you know the legacy I mean? factors being that factor, I would still put Valentina and Amanda over her. Yeah, that, so but that's still that's two not of the three. A, but that's not a list being made strictly on legacy. It's like legacy, right. but then also a little bit like it's legacy resume. Yep. Um, everything skill. It's everything. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I, I it caught me off guard. I'll, I'll back it off. I'll back off though. I want say. people to let us know though. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I that didn't that know that was smir- going around. But whatever you do, that little smirk you got on right now, that's the smirk of like, don't fuck with me. <laughs> like, like I, I stepped, I, I took, I took one step close to the sun and you're like smirking like, all right, motherfucker, say something again. <laughs> say something again. He's going to get sunburned. <laughs> well, I think we uh, got a little off track here, Dominic, but uh, anything Go else? On the, yeah. Anything else on the main event? I guess not. We'll go on. I think that's the, it. Yeah, co-main event, Dominic. Mm-hmm. We assume the winner of this fight will go on to fight Islam Makachev, Abu Dhabi, October. Whew. But that's kind of where we start, Dominic, because Charles Oliveira is a plus one twenty underdog. He, of course, lost his title last October to Oliveira, and I lost the most money I've ever <laughs> lost on a single bet. Yeah. He has taken on the number four ranked Benil Dariush, who has continued to be overlooked. Um, disrespected, some would say, by the UFC brass. You know, I think you could make an argument that the man had earned a title fight two fights ago, and not only did he have to go through one of the faster-rising guys in the division of Matos Gamrot, then he wins that and has to take on literally the man who just lost the belt, Charles Oliveira. So there is a lot of reason to like Benil in this spot as good as he's looked as improved as he's looked. And I think the big factor, Dom, that kind of separates him from Charles, Benil does it pretty clean as of late. Yeah. Like you go back to that wild finish he had with Dracar close. I mean, that was 2020. Yeah. Since then, it seems like as he's gone up the ladder, up the food chain, He's Mm -hmm. actually become smarter and like well-rounded. Like he's actually improved as he's gone up the ladder, which I guess is what you want, but you don't always see it that way. You know, a lot of times you see a guy's look dominant against those mid tiers. And then as they climb up, it starts to get harder and harder and harder. Yeah. Benil, it feels like he's almost doing it easier than he was at a time. You know, we were just recording something for the TikTok. He's got four losses in his uh, UFC career, Dom, and the last one was in 2018 against Alexander Hernandez. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No disrespect to Hernandez. It's just like he knocked him out in 42 seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you look at Edson Barboza knocked him out. Michael Chiesa submitted him. Ramsey Nijem beat him. What's Ramsey <laughs> yeah. Nijem up to now? I don't know. Right. So – Needless to say, he's had this unique kind of rise where it seems like he's gotten better along with the talent he's been put up against. But now he's going up against Charles Oliveira, like I said. A guy who is it is it weird, Dom, to me? Like, okay, first off, I'll admit I'm probably putting a bet on Charles Oliveira here. Let's just get that out of the way. Will I be putting as much as I did last time? <laughs> 
good. That that sank. That was like the Titanic. I was rearranging chairs on the Titanic yeah, when I it was rough. I put that in. But I am going to end up putting Oliveira on the money line here. And Dominic, a big reason for that is is it, is it not feel like despite how great of a reign we got with Oliveira as champion? God. Yes, I know the fashion he lost. You know, does it seem like every time we're talking about an Oliveira fight, even when he was champion and defending, he's like a slight underdog? It yep. just seems like, despite how popular he is, because he's the most popular guy on this card, he is yes. twice as popular as Benil Dariush. People yes. don't dislike Benil Dariush. People just don't really talk about Benil Dariush. Yeah. Yet, Vegas doesn't that there seems to be something missing from that recipe like you would think because of his popularity and mm-hmm. how funny is that the line would be skewed more his direction a lot more money coming in on him but people tend to avoid him dom why is that yeah this that actually i didn't even think about it that way the way you just broke down the odds former champion in Oliveira, the resume like don't get me wrong benil's resume is great mm-hmm. in the win streak but if you want to talk about name value charles Oliveira's resume's unbelievable and yet he is the underdog here when the only loss that he's had since uh, 2017 is against islam freaking makachev and he's the underdog that's crazy and but you know at the same time i'm happy for benil at least he's finally getting some sort of respect from the masses it seems to be able to get a, a favorable odds here minus 140 minus 150 in some books even why is that are people thinking that like Charles maybe his kind of reckless abandon will not be successful against an ultra smart high fight IQ Benil Daryush that Noah just talked about? You know, I want to add on to what Noah said. Not only has Benil gotten better as he's gotten up with the competition, but it's like visibly like you witness it as a like what's the word as a viewer thank you yeah Yeah, i was thinking of another one viewers what we'll work with i'm not doing (laughs) synonyms today as a viewer you even see him getting better and adding wrinkles to his game and he still almost knocked out matosh gamera i mean right i mean he knocked him down rocked him had him in danger didn't get overzealous fought smart gets a dominant decision he could very much do something like that against du bronx here and another point i want to piggyback off of noah when we talk about Charles being an underdog in every single one of these fights, in every single one of those fights, what does he have to do? He's gotten knocked down. He's gotten damn near finished, and then he comes back and wins. Can he do that against someone like Benio Daryush, who has been getting so, so smart fight by fight? This is, you know, we literally have a title fight main event, yet this is 1 million percent the people's main event. You, you, you get a lot of people's main events, from week to week on some of these fight night cards. Rarely do you get one on a pay-per-view. This is one of them right here. Yeah, I'm shocked the UFC didn't make this five rounds because they made Bilal and Gilbert Burns five rounds. You feel like this one fits that bill completely. Mm -hmm. And that leads me to saying, Dom, I don't really know what to expect from this fight. (laughs) Like what you just said. Okay, Charles Oliveira's fight style, right? He is a guy that's constantly come back, especially as he's been champion and earned the belt and all that. You know, he was a guy that got knocked down, found a way to get back up and finish the fight in very fun fashion. That's what built him a name for himself was like, you couldn't get rid of this guy. And then Islam came in and kind of 
honestly kind of starched him. I mean, it was yeah. it was tough. It's like, almost he, amazing. Yeah, he looked fantastic. Charles really didn't have a second of that fight where he looked like he was in control or winning at all. But Neil has had those kind of fights. You know, the Dracar close fight I just mentioned. He's had these fights where it's a little bit more brawler heavy, you know, a little bit more reckless abandon, that nice little word you threw out there. But again, we have not seen that in three years. And what we've been seeing since then is a guy much more composed, much calmer, doesn't let the moment get too big for him. Mm-hmm. You know, Dominic, if I read off some of these wins, and really he's not even been like super active. He's really been picking yeah. and choosing his fights the right way. The Matosh Gamrop fight. He came in, didn't he come in with some sort of injury? Didn't he have a fucked up foot or ankle? Yeah, there was a foot injury, I believe. I think last he year. like broke his foot in that fight, which pretty crazy if that's mm-hmm. the case. You look at the Tony Ferguson decision win, and I know that's a compromised Tony Ferguson, maybe not the same, a shock-worn Tony Ferguson. How about a split decision over Carlos Diego Fajera? Before that, he knocked out Scott Holtzman, and before that, he knocked out Dracar Close. So really, those last three fights, you see the growth in his game because he it takes him a split decision to beat Diego Fajera. Then he goes on and dominates Tony, Tony Ferguson. And then goes in and really handles Matosh Gamrot. That like was surprising a little bit. The growth. But Dominic, I just read off his last five wins. To me, you cannot compare those to the kind no. of gauntlet Charles Oliveira has no. been put through. And I understand why, I, again, I'm not, I, I, I think there's a definite reason why people are leaning Benil's way. And truthfully, Dominic, I think a big reason why we find Charles with the, the underdog you know, slapped on him is because when you are a fighter that kind of that thrives under the chaos and thrives under sort of willing himself back to a victory, you know, being able to take more punishment than the other guy, being resourceful when in danger, that's a dangerous recipe to put a lot of trust in because if you're a guy who is known for getting hurt, coming back and winning a fight, what happens when you get hurt and don't come back? And that's yeah. what you get with the Makachev fight, which, of course, was the time that I chose to make the biggest <laughs> bet in my career. Um, yeah. Anyways, that's that's really the short story here for why I think Oliveira, even as a the bigger fan favorite, even as he's been for the last couple of years as champion and chasing the belt and all that, that's where I think the the – the oversight appears to be with the Vegas, with the odds makers, is I think that a lot of people have a hard time trusting him and thinking this might be the one where it goes off the rails. Does that seem like a fair assessment, Dom? Yeah, I would say so. I, I really would. This is this is one of those fights, man, that like it almost in a way feels overdue just because of what, what these guys have done and all these streaks that they've went on. But nevertheless, they're here now, and you know the winner is in. Well, especially well, let if me it's ask you that. Yeah, let me yeah. ask you that because yeah. I've seen some confusion around the fact that the the UFC, you know, you have this pay per view that <clears throat> probably isn't going to sell very well. You know, yeah. pay per view, right? You have that. You, this is your biggest fight <clears throat> on the card. Yep. 
a lot of people have been confused. Like, why aren't the UFC like coming out and saying this is the number one contender fight? They did it for, like I said, Gilbert and um, Gilbert and Bilal wow. last month. You've seen them do that time and time again, where they'll kind of announce a fight as being a number one contender fight. Robert Whitaker taking on Drickus Duplessis in July is getting that tag, and that's International Fight Week. That fight don't that card don't need no help. So I was kind of wondering that, and you know, I I think one reason why that is is because I'm not sure the UFC are going to be as committed to the idea of that being a number one contender bout if Charles Oliveira wins. Yes. You know, he's coming off a pretty dominant loss to Islam Makhachev. But Dominic, the more I thought about it, is there any chance that they that the UFC actually might be less concerned with an Oliveira win and more concerned with the Benil Dariush win? A guy who, despite the the uh accumulation of wins, the the win streak that he's sort of on does not exactly have a rabid fan base behind him. He is not known for his ability on a microphone. Even his fight style is not near as, you know, rock'em, sock'em, chaotic as maybe it's shown in some of those crazier fights he's been in. He's definitely played a more risk-averse style, and it's worked out for him. Do you feel like there's a chance that even though we all kind of think, oh, it's probably because the UFC doesn't want to, you know, do Charles and Islam too? At the end of the day, that's probably a bigger fight than Islam Benil, right? Yeah, I think it is a bigger fight. This is where my head's at. If Benil wins, I think he's in. I think he's going to get it in October. Mm -hmm. He, I saw, I don't know if it was with MMA fighting or there was a, they posted something about him though, regardless. And he had said that. He had discussed this with the UFC and he was essentially told that he would get it if he wins. He said if he does not, that he would riot and take a page out of Justin Gaethje's book. I'm paraphrasing, but that's a, kind of what he said. If Charles wins, this is where it gets interesting. Because like you said, Islam's Abu Dhabi in October. It's pretty clear. Okay. Well, if Charles wins, I think there's a hell of a lot more pressure on Alexander Volkanovsky on international fight week because if Charles wins, I don't think he'll get it because I think they would do Volk versus Islam too. If Volkanovsky can beat Yair. And also I think the winner of Gaethje and Poirier at the end of July would get in before Charles Oliveira does. Wow. That's how I'm feeling where everybody is standing right now. So I just think if Benil wins, he's in. And then we kind of see what happens in July with Volk winning and then Dustin and Justin. And then Charles is kind of waiting to see what goes on. That's that's interesting, Dom, because I think we are way off. Like we are on opposite sides of the Paint spectrum your here. Um, I think Charles has a better chance of getting a title fight from this than Benil does. Oh, man. That's, That's that not based off my opinion. That's not based off of like, or it is based off my opinion. I mean, it's it's not because of how I feel about Charles. It's not because of how I feel. Like, I, I don't want this to come off like I don't like Benil. Benil's been one of the guys we've been ride or die yes. for. That's why it's hard because now he's going up against another guy I've been right. <laughs> you know, it's tough. Yeah. But it, it has nothing to do with the way I feel about those two guys. This is This is just something that I've been trying to – get a better read on 
we all are sitting here going, if Benio wins, he gets a title fight. Like, it seems obvious. You don't have another guy who feels like a real threat or challenge right now. Like, sure, you have that Gaethje Poirier fight, but, you know, I don't think the winner of that necessarily warrants a title fight, even if they have the BMF title, whatever. <laughs> um, but the UFC don't always go off of who's the most deserving, you know? Yeah, we Who, talked about that recently. I mean, well, how many times are we going to go through that same song and dance before we realize that, as Dana said last week, there's a lot of factors that go into somebody getting a title fight. And truthfully, I don't know if uh, whether they deserve it or not is in the top five <laughs> or six yeah. uh, options for who they pick. I hope if Benio wins, he gets it. But right now, <clears throat> if Charles wins, I'd feel very confident that they headline Abu Dhabi with those the rematch. Two. If Benil wins, I would still lean that direction, but it would not surprise me if the UFC tried to find an alternative. Perhaps that Volkanovski-Islam fight would then come to fruition. I think if Charles won and they gave the title fight to either Dustin or Justin, I think that'd be a little crazy in my opinion. Yeah, the only reason I felt that way is because it's somebody that hasn't fought Islam yet. Maybe Dustin. Maybe Dustin, because Dustin would actually have have the win streak. Or well, no, I guess Justin would too because he fought Fazayev. Yep. Yep. Well, maybe you're right because they would have had two wins since. Yeah, yeah, you might you might have a point there, Dom. There's a lot going on this month and a half. Dude, but you know, I division. think I think the winner of this fight is the front runner for the next title fight. But it does worry me. The fact that the, they're not coming out and saying that tells me that they are not as convinced as we are that that's the case here. Yeah. Oh, man. I know it's a Monday thing, but poor Benny. I hate, I, I hate to say that because I feel like that that that's a bad – like this is kind of like a – like it's a bad yeah. place to yeah. be. Mm. This is a great fight. And you know what? I, to go back to what I said about like I don't know what to expect here, I don't know what to expect in terms of – Who's gonna win? Nope. Who's gonna how is it gonna be dominant? Is it gonna be back right. and forth? Right. But Dominic, I got this weird feeling. Cool. And also the style clash, by the way. I mean yeah. Oliveira Wild fights Benil been more clean as of late. Yeah. I have this weird feeling mm-hmm. that to me. this fight's gonna get kind of crazy. Like I think this is gonna be kind back of freaky. And forth. <laughs> I think this fight's actually going to be – I don't think it's going to end very quick. Like, I think this is going to be a fight that both guys kind of walk away, like, with at least their stock raised because of it. Mm, maybe a little I, fight I, of the night? I got maybe? this weird feeling that we might be talking about this fight at the end of the year, Don. Oh. I don't know. It just, it's, it's one of those fights that has the names that – you know, people cling to that could get that kind of attention to it. But it's not necessarily a fight people are talking about is like, ooh, this could be a fight of the year. You know, Ga- the Gaethje Poirier, you know. Yeah. Those are the kind of fights that sneak up on you, though. And I think this yeah. one could do it. Mm, I love that. I love when you go out on a bridge like that, yeah. baby. Come on. Um, let's get on into the rest of UFC 289. Like I said, not the most stacked pay-per-view, but Dominic, I do think there's some pretty fun fights on here. Yes. I think it starts with Danny Gay and Nate Lane where 
Oh, it starts and stops right there. That's where we're going next. <laughs> no, it starts. Sure. St- <laughs> um, Nate the Train is quickly becoming one of the most electric guys to watch in the whole mm-hmm. company. And while Dan Ige is not a guy who's going to be able to get on a microphone and throw down some some bars like Nate Landwehr <laughs> yeah. does, yeah, I think he's arguably got just as fun of a fight style. Dan Ige freaking comes to bang mm-hmm. like the what, what's that basketball commentator that always says bang oh Definitely. yeah mike green bang yeah, yeah yeah that's 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 danny gay right there you know mm-hmm. so i i look at this fight and i think it's going to be fireworks i don't know how long it's going to go it might go quick Nate landweer has been knocked out twice in like a, a less than half a round that's happened before so yeah it's definitely capable with danny gay the guy who put away uh, he's got a knockout in like 10 seconds in the UFC. That was uh, a while back. But, mm-hmm. yeah, going to be fun. Yeah, I mean, if you're not flying kneeing Nate Landwehr, he tends to win. As a matter of fact, it's 4-0 when he does not get flying kneed in the face in the UFC. But, no, i got to bring this up here. Okay? This is my this is my focal point. This okay. is where my head is for this fight. On paper, it's a sick, stylistic matchup. Could be a fight-of-the-night contender should it go three rounds. Nate loves to bang. Dan loves to bang. But tell me if you're with me here, and if not, tell me where you're at. This is okay. giving me the same type of vibes as Danny Gay's last fight when he welcomed Damon Jackson into the top 15 and made easy work of Damon Jackson. Now Danny Gay's fighting back again, letting someone else get this chance to hop in. And is it just too much of a leap too soon for Nate Landwehr, like it was for Damon Jackson. That's the storyline for me in this fight. Yeah, that's a great observation. And I think that's, I would argue that might be the most likely outcome right now. Mm-hmm. Like it's Nate Landwehr, you look at some of those fights, man, the David Onama fight, like he both <laughs> won and lost that fight like 20 times. Yeah. And he should have just won it the first time. <laughs> like he literally let himself go through that gauntlet just to put on a show, which is awesome. I love a guy like that. He's a lot of fun. Yeah. Dan Ige ain't going to play those games, man. Mm-mm. He ain't going to play those games. And we've yet to see Dan Ige really be like like hurt, hurt in a fight. <laughs> yeah, he's like a he's, dog, dude. The Calvin Cater main event that he kind of took, I think that was short notice for him, or maybe they stepped up to the main event short notice. That was like one of the early COVID cards. Mm-hmm. I remember – Calvin definitely got the better of him for four of the five rounds, but Ike just kept on coming, kept on coming. Never really got hurt too bad. Definitely was getting beat up, but, like, kept coming, kept coming. Mm-hmm. You know, here I just have more confidence in Ike, Ike's uh, durability than I do Landwehr's. That's that, even though Landwehr has shown an incredible endurance Which, over yeah. his last yeah. few fights – you look at the history with those flying knee knockouts and it does kind of make you worried. If a dead Ige bomb lands on him, like it did Gavin Tucker. I don't know, man. Yeah. If Nate can come in and win that fight, that would be crazy. And I think no, that's a, it's, it's weird, but with Danny Ige Dom, because he feels like a guy who has just hit his ceiling, like already. Yeah. Like he is who he yeah. is because if you put him up against a guy who's ranked like, Two through eight. What is EK ranked right now? He is uh the th- number thirteen. 
Okay, so like if you went two through nine, two through eight, mm-hmm. he's probably not winning the majority of those matchups. Right. But then if you go the you know fourteen, fifteen, and then anyone else, ranked, <laughs> yeah, it's like he not Good only luck. wins, he kind of starches them. Yeah, like he did to Damon Jackson. So that could end up. It feels like th- this has the makings of Danny Ige coming in here and kind of showing showing why there's uh, levels to this game. Yeah, that very much could be it. Uh, next for me, prelim headliner, Beam Evolve, Chris Curtis, yeah, number 12 versus one. number 14. Uh, interesting one. Not on the main card, but they put Canadian Town on the main card. So, you know, I understand. This is a good prelim headliner here. And I'm, I'm struggling here, Noah, and I'm going to tell you why. I'm looking at the betting odds. Again, we're not doing a full blazing bet segment on today's show because we're recording it on a Wednesday instead of a Thursday. But... During my first initial looks at the lines, I I'm looking, I'm I'm feeling like Emavolve money line. Emavolve money line's like poking me in the head to try and take a gander at it, take a stab at it. I get to check in, and he's around a minus one fifty right now on a lot of these books. And don't get me wrong, he's a really, really good talent, but he did just lose his biggest test yet, and it was to Sean Strickland in a five round main event. Well. Sean Strickland is like best friends and training partners with Chris Curtis. So that's got to be of benefit to Chris one. Chris's boxing is very clean, very crisp. It's not that Emavolve's necessarily like he's a good striker, but I wouldn't say he's as polished as Chris can be. And if Emavolve tries to grapple, Noah talked about it earlier. Chris Curtis's takedown defense is unbelievable. Now, maybe the only kind of gray area that I didn't touch on is in the middle. If they try and clinch and whatnot with Emavolve, but all of those factors and things going through my head is what led me to at least not just yet hop on that money line. I think this is going to be a bit harder of a fight for Emavolve than some people are thinking. I've seen a lot of people showing love and tailing Emavolve and I was on it, but now I'm kind of like, I don't know, man, there, there's some X's and O's that I think Chris Curtis can compete here and win this fight. This is a weird one. Yeah, I don't see myself touching this one. Yeah, honest, like I, both guys have just showed varying degrees of skill in their career. Like you look at how Imavov fought Strickland, and he just looked a step behind. Yeah, the entire way. But then you look at how he fought like Edmund Shabazian, Ian Heinish. I mean, he looked like an absolute killer. Yeah, Chris Curtis. Knocks out Joaquin Buckley, had that really good decision win over Hadolfo Vieira, the Jack or Manson fight. Like, that yeah, was weird. And yeah. then, even last time, well, the Kelvin Gastelum fight was, a, I mean, I thought he won that yeah. one, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. Um, so, really, it's just that Jack or Manson one. So, Chris Curtis is just a tough out no matter what. And mm-hmm. he's a guy who, if you can't take him down, like, well, he bet Imavov better be ready to outstrike Chris Curtis. Yes. That's what it comes down to. Because I don't see yep. him taking him down. That's I'm just yeah. being honest. So I just don't necessarily like I don't feel like I know enough. Is it weird how like I've watched every one of Imavov's UFC fights? That's six of them. Mm-hmm. And yet I sit here and I really just don't have a full read on the guy. No, that's because like, the way the way he fought Sean Strickland. Just looked a lot, di- and even Joaquin Buckley before that, like that wasn't exactly an exciting fight. Mm-hmm. 
just completely different version of the guy that fought Shabazian and Heinish. Like, yeah. yes, I know he actually debuted in a loss against Phil Halls, but I think that was on short notice. You know, he's just hot and cold. And, you know, Chris Curtis has had a little bit of that as well for me. So it's uh, kind of weird. Yeah, that, that's a, that's like the weirdest one for me. So I just wanted to talk about that one. You got any more? Anything on the prelims poking you, sticking out to you? No, not really. I was just going to follow. I was going to ask you one more question about Imanov. Mm-hmm. Like, do you feel like he gets the better of the striking in this one? Man, that's it's interesting because we've seen Chris's boxing be very crisp. No. He can get hit, but he's still relatively defensively sound, you know? Like, it's kind of weird sometimes what you get with Chris. Um, and he just had that fight of the night contender with Kelvin Gaslam just in April. So, I mean, that's only two months ago at this point, so that could be something to think about as well. But I don't know, man. I just think if he can hold off the clinch, hold off any takedowns, tit for tat in the striking, Chris can win this fight. And that's why it's a it's it's an odd one. It and seems it's like he's more dependent. Too. He's more dependent on his striking than Imavov is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't again with that takedown defense being as good as it is, like good luck. <laughs> yeah. It's a good point. Um, anything else for you, Dom? Mm, there's good fights, but nothing of note. I think maybe come Monday we have some recaps, but it's decent prelims though. It's so decent, we didn't even talk about any of them but one. So with that, <laughs> let's talk about the PFL 4. Or whatever there is to talk about of it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's fair, Dom. Uh, th- <laughs> that's happening today as you're watching Thursday. Featherweights and light heavyweights. We said we'd give you guys the full rundown, what to expect here. Um Hopefully, no more failed drug tests. Yeah, because that's step one. We 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 have ten, um, ten fighters that are dealing with that. So now you have a main event: Brendan Lochnane taking on Jesus Pinedo at the featherweight division. Um, I guess your feature bout is your top light heavyweight bout. That's now Martin Hamlet taking on Sam Key. There is some talent across the board that I'm excited about: Movlid Haibulayev and Nikomain taking on Tyler Diamond. Bubba Jenkins on the main card. Josh Silvera on the main card. Taking on Dylan Monte. I like that fight. I also like, Mar- well, I actually don't like Marlon Marais being on this card. Dominic, <laughs> I'll tell you an interesting little tidbit I heard from a Marlon Marais interview. Oh, he boy. was asked about the idea of retirement. He said, I know right now is not the right time. Hmm. Well, Which, again, I'm not one to tell someone when it's time. It just is like, it feels like if he doesn't think that now, he's never going to. I mean, especially considering he has already retired once. So how is it? Yeah, that's a weird one. I love the guy, right, but this is, he just, I'm worried at this yeah. point. He, <clears throat> he, these fights, he's not just losing. He's getting like, I, I almost said destroyed but some of these fights he does look good until he doesn't well, so like I'll, the lock name fight he did it wasn't his chin that let him down it was his damn legs like it's just yeah. his whole body is starting to that that one down. with brendan was like the first time in this six fight losing streak where we've seen him lose a fight the entire time like yeah. there was really nothing and i think that says a lot about brendan don't get us wrong he was our joey last year yeah. for our fighter of the year but now it's like okay you're losing to these guys in the PFL who are technically the step below the UFC, and now you're getting just clean swept and finished. Gabriel Braga, not the name of Brennan Lochnane, but he's fucking 10-0. And, 
and he's a very complete, good, solid fighter. Experience in UAE Warriors, LFA. He's two and zero in the PFL. I'm not saying you know maybe this is the time where Marlon doesn't get finished, but this is not just some like opportunity for him to bounce back and be able to make the playoffs because it's a lesser known guy. This is still going to be a tough fight, and it's just I don't know, man. Sometimes these guys got to know when to give it up, and if he loses here, is he then what? Still, just keep saying the same thing. Like I don't know. It's it's a weird one. But I, yeah, Gabriel Braga can make a name for himself. The here. takeaway from that last fight for me wasn't the fact that oh, that's the first time Marlon's been beaten from start to finish. Because I don't know if that's. I mean, the Song Yudong one I know was quick, but I mean, Song Yudong pretty much dominated him for like two minutes. Mm-hmm. But to me, Dom, the bigger thing, the bigger takeaway is the fact that like. Before it was like he looked good, but it was his chin. This yeah. time it's it's other parts of his body that can't take the punishment. His legs just got butchered and he was done. Mm-hmm. Could I mean got finished via leg kicks. Like yep. I know that happens. And Brendan Lochnane looked great. It's just again, it's like, man, before you could just say, Oh, the guy looks good, but his chin's just gone. Now it's like, I mean, his whole body's failing him at this point. Mm-hmm. How about him, but Kazaganai? I'm excited about him being on this card. Um, you know, he's I, officially I like, in the tournament now, too. Yeah, so I like what to see what he could do here against Tim Karen. Chris Wade Ryoji Kudo is a fun little freeland bout. Interesting, yes. they tried to sneak in that women's featherweight bout and thought we wouldn't notice hmm. Abigail Montez and Hester Akeem or Brandy Hester. Sorry, I was like, reading the <laughs> names, names of two together. Fighters. So, yeah, I mean, I really don't have, like, a ton to chew into here. It's kind of a shame, right? I mean. For you, Noah, this is my really my main question. With the suspensions and people being out and all these new additions to the light heavyweight division, you know, new additions or not, is Martin Hamlet, who is number one, had a first-round finish, six points, a quick six. Is he just, like, the runaway at this point for this division, or do you still think there's someone there that can maybe like put a stop to it? Cause now he's fighting a literal, I mean, Sam key is in the, the tournament now and he's, he's eight and seven. So like, I don't know, this could be cause Martin Hamlin has been there year after year, just not been able to win the big one. But now it's like, dude, everybody eliminated themselves for you. Yeah, I'm not going to go that far. I mean, mm. maybe it is, Dom, but I I literally had not even considered that until you mentioned it. So I refuse mm. to just accept the fact that this That's tournament's fair. done and dusted. If Impa, give my man Impa a good I would love here. to see him do it, man. Impa, how about – also, I forgot – I skipped past his name on here. PFL debut, I believe, for Andrew Sanchez, ain't it? I think so. I think it is. Andrew Sanchez yeah. fought in the UFC for a while. I think he's a fun guy. Like, someone is going to have to present a challenge to Martin Hamlet. Because you're right, Martin Hamlet's good. He's been around in the PFL for a while, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I refuse to believe that this tournament's like just – I'm not handing it to I'm not handing him the million-dollar check yet, Dom, like you are. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Really, other at than feather, that, like I mean, at featherweight, like, is there anybody that you look at and go, like, okay, they can maybe challenge Lochnane? No, I mean, I think there's definitely still, like, I mean, of course, I mean, Bubba just lost to him last year, but I still like Bubba. I still like Chris Wade. The fight I'm most looking forward to in terms of like competitiveness is Chris Wade and Ryuji Kudo. Right now, it's like really far down on the prelims, which I thought was yeah. kind of odd, but I think that's obviously important. 
Uh, both guys are coming off losses. They're trying to get into the playoffs. <laughs> they got to do something big here, and they have to do it against each other. So I think that's the most like important fight when yeah. you're looking at both guys. But uh, yeah, I don't know the way Brendan's looking right now. He could go back to back. Could. Dude, I just realized I skipped past Josh Silvera at light heavyweight too. Like that, maybe dude, that could come be on. your guy. We ain't we ain't handing this million dollar check over to Martin. Come on, Martin, you got to do better than that. We need a second first round finish. Yeah, two quick sixes is impressive stuff. Quick six. I was I couldn't remember what the little phrase was. <laughs> I knew you'd remember. But yeah, I think that's pretty much it for PFL. Probably more to talk about on Monday. Yep. Let's yep. talk about a couple fight announcements real quick, Dom. The rumored card for Nashville. I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> I don't know what his holdup is. <laughs> Dominic's always getting so weirded out about these how long they take to announce it. I think that's just par for the course with these events in person, Dom. Like I don't know why you like like the last time they were rumored to go to Nashville, they still went to Charlotte. Like, cause you were like, Oh, it's too late. We ain't going I to know. Nashville. I know. But then they went to Charlotte. So, like, obviously, they're still announcing. And they sold the bitch out, too. So, like, it it don't matter. Successful (laughs) fight night, an American fight night in UFC history. Like, crazy. That could have been us. Yeah. Yeah. So, August 5th, um, Billy Q back, taking on Damon Jackson. Also back. Also, two guys that need a bounce back after being knocked the fuck out. (laughs) What an intro to that fight (laughs) announcement. No, but I, I like that fight a lot. Billy Q, Damon Jackson, two very good fighters that just haven't been able to take that jump into like the top 15. And I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fully in support of these two just kind of duking it out. It's a fun fight. Going to fill out that card for Nashville or wherever it might be. No jinx. Yeah. Also, Dominic, the return of Chris Weidman. And this is where I'm going to actually ask you your first question. He's taking on Brad Tavares. Yeah. UFC 292 in Boston, August 19th. Dominic, is it safe to say that no matter which way this fight ends, it ends with some man tears? Yeah, I would say so. I think that's yeah. fair. I saw this when you sent it, and uh, I don't know, man. Like, again, we're not in the place to tell people to hang it up. They're the <laughs> ones doing the fight shit we never have. I respect the hell out of all these men and women, but not only are you haven't been looking too good the past couple years but it's been you know four or no it's been two years since your leg snapped in half if you're chris weidman here and the only you know competition he's had is a couple like grappling matches i know he's been on like fight pass and stuff brad tavares though very much so still like competing with these guys regardless of if he's winning or losing you know obviously he just lost to bruno silva had that crazy ass fight with drickus duplessis like if that same type of Tavares that fought Drickus comes in here against Chris Weidman, I don't like that recipe for a 38-year-old guy that's just been through the ringer in Weidman, man. So it's a weird one. It caught me off guard. Wasn't expecting it, but I know Chris never truly hung it up. He always left that door no. open, said he was going to be back. <clears throat> that's just, it's a very drastic injury to come back from. And not only are we going to see Chris Weidman return, we're going to see a Conor McGregor return off of a very similar injury this year as well. Like two guys coming off of detrimental injuries two years later. How can both look? We get to see Chris Weidman first, who unfortunately is older and been through the ringer a bit more than Conor as well. Yeah. When I first saw it, I was like, wow, they really don't want to give Chris like an easy one (laughs) to come back to. Like they're really risking like this just being very sad. Yeah. And I don't want that. 
Like, I'm going to be rooting for Weidman here, you know? Like, you have to. Like, I like Brad Tavares. I don't envy him being in this position, but he's a professional. They're both professionals. They get it. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, this could end up being just really sad. Like, for him to come back, to fight, spend all this time, and he was still very confident in his ability, believing he could still make a run, and then he comes back, and if he were to, like, get starched just, like, super quick, just uh, like after all that, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if he's gonna win. I'm not very confident he's gonna win, but I hope that we see the best version we can possibly see out of Chris Weidman at this point in time. That's all you can really ask for. Yeah, I like. I really don't have much more to add to it. It's just like I'm not mad at it because he wants to keep. He wants to prove it. Like I mean, it could be yeah. a, an amazing story. It could. Dominic. If he wins, I mean, talk about an all-time moment. In Boston, yeah, he gets yeah. that win. Like, it's going to be emotional. You know, he's going to be emotional. But then there is a risk that you have to take on by getting that kind of moment, and that's that Brad Tavares could come in here and fucking shut that down real quick. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, um, but that's it, Dominic. We only have one more segment left to go, and that's the segment we always end the show on. Closing statements, or we can talk about anything and everything, MMA-related or not. So, Dominic, did you come prepared with some recommendations for things I should do in Florida? I know you've not been to PCB, but I would like to know if there's anything in particular that just your excursions to a beach or two, maybe things I should be prepared for, etc. There's this one place, and again, it's been a long time, long, long time. But uh, it's like some sort, it was like up and coming at the time we were there. So it's older, not older, but it's obviously people have been there now since. But it's like, a, I feel like the word pier is in it, but it's not an actual pier with like going out over the ocean. But it's just this big area with restaurant shops, people out and about, nightlife type area. So I'm sure you'll get to witness that and see that. Wait, you've been to PCB? Yes, not a full vacation, but we have drove oh, from Destin. I know what to you're there. talking about. The pier. Yeah. It's, I don't know if it's called Pier Park or something. yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah okay. So I that's know like that. the only yeah. thing I can remember. Kind of gave me the vibes of like the island in Gatlinburg. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, very that's, accurate. Okay, yeah. So I do plan on going there. Mm-hmm. Um, anything beach related? I'm not much of a beach person, but I'm tired of being pasty, Dom. I, mm. I got to get some sun. You gotta be careful out there though now. You know, I, I you know, know. Mamaw would be giving you a whole lesson if she was on this show right now. But uh Dude, you know, I know she she <laughs> she would literally give me that like SPF like six hundred Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so I mean, dude, though, like when we're out on the beach, we don't really do nothing. We just enjoy the water, lay out, you know, just soak it all in the same. Yeah, I'm not swimming, but I do plan on just kind of drinking. Dabble in, build us a sandcastle, you know. Build you know, can I tell you a story uh, while we're, you know, kind of ending the show here? That's what this is for. Come on. Yeah. Uh, I, I just thought it'd be nice to ask, you know, be courteous, but yeah, whatever. Fucking asshole. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, freshman year of college. Okay. Uh, and you might remember this. I went to Myrtle Beach. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. So it was for my business fraternity. We took a, a business development trip. <laughs> To Myrtle sure. Beach, yeah, yeah, a uh, a conference, if you will, yeah, of course. 
Um, me and the people I rode with, we got there at about eight in the morning. Okay. And mind you, this was like we drove there overnight, got yep. there at eight in the morning. We were planning to leave, I think, the next day. Oh, wow. We did a lot of those one-day trips. We did the one-day trip to Canada. like that. Going all the way to Myrtle Beach is a long trip <laughs> yeah, for just a so, day. <laughs> yeah, so we get there at 8 in the morning, immediately pull out the thermos, put sh- as much shitty vodka as I can in it, and lemonade. Okay? Okay. Okay. So that's the drink of choice. And I'm talking like a big-ass thermos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... A lot, most people start getting there probably around like 11, 10, 30, 11, you know, that mm-hmm. time. When I tell you, Dom, I was, I was so drunk mm. at this time that I could, I was yelling at people saying like, dude, why is this sand so hard to walk on? <laughs> Have you ever had issues walking on sand? No, like so even sober, it's not easy in some places. Okay, so, I'm glad yeah, you because I yeah. I was kind of like, okay, I know I was fucked up, but like <laughs> sand is not. But you're like, this like, shit is quicksand, not but dude. I was sand. like, I was barrel rolling like all around the fucking place, <laughs> like I could not get my footing. So maybe yeah. a part of it was drunkness, of but I feel like I should have been given somewhat of a pass there. Yeah, but then. Speaking of sunscreen, uh, this this is top three dumbest things oh, I've probably no. done. Mm. So I'm out there and someone's passing around sunscreen. It's the spray on kind. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm not planning to swim. I'm smoking a cigar, mm-hmm. drinking memory thermos. I mean, I'm fucked up, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I take the spray on sunscreen. I spray it all, all on me. Mm-hmm. Rub it in, you know, and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like an hour goes by. I'm wearing like sunglasses and like a fedora. Don't ask about the fedora. Tyler I, I'm I'm visualizing it. Tyler, I love it. Tyler can tell you about the fedora. It was a thing, you know. It was, yeah. But about an hour goes by. I'm like, man, that sun is like really bright. Like really yeah. bright. Like I'm getting yeah. a little blinded here. Yeah. Another hour goes by. I have like one eye shut and I'm like, <laughs> Damn, I'm like that fucking sun is yeah. I'm like, yeah. I can't see. <laughs> Another hour goes by, and then both eyes are shut. I'm like, You're blind. Bro, I need to get out of the sun. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. the sun, yeah. I'm like, the sun's too bright. That I'm literally still like thinking that the sun is doing this. Yeah. Well, someone comes up to me and goes, dude, why are your eyes so red? Dominic, I put on that sunscreen and didn't rub it on my face. It's not sweat resistant. So when I started sweating, that sunscreen just started going straight into my eyes. Oh, okay. But my dumbass is sitting there like, why is the sun so Did it not burn? Like like you couldn't feel the stinginess? Okay. No, it burned, but I thought it was the sun. You just didn't real okay. (laughs) So then we go to check in to our rooms because we couldn't even check in when we got there. So we were just like on the beach. Yeah. So we go to the lobby to check in. I am, my eyes are, the only thing redder than my eyes is probably my skin. Yeah, there we go. I sit down on this couch in the, in there, put my fedora over my face, passed out for like two hours. I woke up and all, everybody had left me. I was just sitting there. By yourself. In the lobby. In the lobby. Took a fat nap. 
with a fedora over my face. Hmm. I wonder what people were thinking walking by, checking in their rooms. They were probably thinking, like, this fucking grizzly bear is in hibernation, <laughs> and I better not wake him up. <laughs> oh, how bad was that sunburn for about the next week? So I woke up, and my eyes were good. Well, that's good. But I, that was the one time in my life I've taken a cold shower. I could not do a hot shower. Oh, it just burns. Ooh. Yeah, it was a lot of pain. That's so pain. at least you know now for this week, if mm-hmm. your eyes start burning, you're sweating the shit in, so you got to rub it in better. Look, you my know? mom and stepdad tan every day. That's like they they take pride in their tan. They won't even have sunscreen on. Yeah. No, my mom's giving us SPF 30. She's like, I only use like SPF 15. I'm like, oh, so you basically just throw water on your skin or like, yeah, <laughs> stop yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I told her, like, our whole plan is like, oh, we're going to hang out at the beach all week. We're going to mm-hmm. walk to some of the, um, like, bar restaurants on the mm-hmm. beach and, like, eat and drink and stuff. I already know what's going to happen. Mm. I'm going to be all about doing that the first day. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to get burnt to a crisp. And then I'm never yep. going to the beach <laughs> the rest of the week. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, we're going we're gonna to find out. Yeah. yeah. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My name is Noah Baker. That's Dominic Slee. We are but just two of the below average shows, and we'll see you guys on Monday.